Hey friends, I hope you're all staying safe and sane. If you followed the Twitter profile for this podcast, and I hope you do, you may already be aware that there's no guest this week. Instead, I'm going to read you the first part of a short story I wrote called Car Partners. And, by the way, if you don't follow the show on Twitter, I'd like to encourage you to do so, as that's where we announce guests and provide links that will help familiarize you with the creative things the people I speak with do. The Twitter profile for this podcast can be found at people are, as in the letter R, the enemy. And when you follow the show on Twitter, we'll follow you back. The same goes for Instagram. There's an Instagram profile for this podcast where we maintain a charming photo collection of all our past guests and the number of the episode they appeared on. And that Instagram profile is people are the enemy. Thank you so much for connecting with us on those two social media platforms. If you've never listened to this show before, welcome. This is the People Are the Enemy podcast. I am the show's host. My name is Andy Mascola. Hello. In addition to being the host of this weekly podcast, I'm also a senior writer for the music blog Surviving the Golden Age. And I'm also a novelist, with seven books currently available for purchase in both paperback and ebook formats worldwide via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon... You can find most of my books in paperback format at barnesandnoble.com. There aren't any ads, and there's no Patreon for People Are the Enemy. But if you want to help support this podcast and myself monetarily, please consider picking up one or two of my books. If you've listened before and you've already purchased any or all of my novels, wow! Thank you, friend! I appreciate it! And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. Listeners, this is episode 124 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I appreciate it. As mentioned in the opening monologue, today I'm going to read you the first part of a short story I wrote titled Car Partners. It's not the first time we've done something like this on the show, but it has been a while. I like changing things up every now and again, and I'd had an idea for a story, and I started to write it, and I thought... This would make for a good uh, audio theater portion. So, so without further ado, I give you part one. What's the name of this company again? Greg asks as we simultaneously stretch the fitted red sheet over the corners of our bed. Car partners, I say. And how did you hear about this job? Leave it to my boyfriend to wait until the night before I start a new part-time job to show any interest in what I'm doing. Brittany, I say. Brittany's doing this? Not yet. 
She saw their website on one of those signs people stick in the ground near traffic lights and texted it to me. Huh, Greg says, throwing our pillows on the bed. And what's your title going to be? Driver assistant, I say. And what is it you're going to be doing again? Whatever the driver requires, I say. And this isn't a sex thing. No, I shout. No, I say again, this time more calmly. It's not a sex thing. Sounds weird, but whatever, Greg says. I mean, I'm going to try it, and if I get there and find out it's not what was advertised, or if they want me to do something creepy, I'll quit. I neatly fold back the sheet and turn to see Greg sitting in his gaming chair playing Call of Duty, his headset on. It was coming up on a year since we'd moved in together. Now that tourist season was over, my hostessing schedule at the Brass Trivet, a posh restaurant downtown, was almost non-existent. My savings, combined with the money from Greg's job at Tobias Hardware, would probably get us through until the end of the month, but after that we would definitely need some additional income. I didn't own a car. I relied on Greg and public transportation to get to my job at the Brass Trivet. I texted Brittany the night before my first day at Car Partners. I told her Greg was going to drive me since he had the morning off, but she insisted she pick me up and bring me, as she was curious to see where the place was. The next morning, I dressed in jeans and sneakers and an oversized long-sleeve crew-neck black t-shirt. I'm scheduled to meet my manager at Car Partners, a guy named Mark Kowalski, at his office downtown at 9 o'clock. I'd only ever emailed Mark. I told him I didn't have a license, and he said that wouldn't be a problem. I told him about my hostessing job, and he said that also wouldn't be a problem. Brittany texts me at 8.30, letting me know she's in the parking lot. I've already been up for an hour, showered, and ate a piece of toast with butter. Greg's still asleep. I assume he'd been up late gaming. I grab my purse and keys and walk out of our unit and downstairs. Brittany's sitting in her white Honda coupe, looking at her phone, chewing gum. Hey, I say, opening the passenger side door and getting in. Hey, Brittany says before putting her phone on the console between us and pulling out onto the street. Waze says car partners is ten minutes from here. I'm going to get a Starbies on the way. You want one? A coffee? I ask. Yeah, it's on me, Brittany says. Okay, I say. So this is your first time meeting this guy? Yep, I say. I filled out the application on their website and he emailed me back and told me to come by this morning to get my assignment. He called it an assignment? Brittany asks. Yeah, like it's some detective shit. Or homework, Brittany says, laughing. Yeah, I hadn't thought, I hadn't thought of it like that, I say. We pull into a Starbucks drive-thru. Brittany orders us each a grande iced cafe latte, hers with a pump of toffee nut, and mine with a pump of caramel. You don't think this is a sex thing, do you? Brittany asks. Greg asked me that, I say. I don't think so. I mean, who knows? But, I mean, they have an office. It's got to be legit, right? Brittany shrugs and sips her drink. We park in front of an office building downtown. I look at my phone. 8.55. I get out of the car and shut the door. Brittany leans over the passenger seat. What time do you want me to pick you up? I'll text you, I say. All right, she says. Good luck. Thanks, I say, waving. I pull the front door of the building open and enter. The lobby, if you can call it that, smells like a mix of cigars and disinfectant. 
I look down and see a metal ashtray filled with crushed out cigarillos that look like cat turds. Next to the ashtray is a can of Lysol. Well, I think to myself, that explains the smells. On the wall is a row of metal mailboxes, like in an apartment building. Next to the mailboxes is a black letterboard under glass with the building's businesses listed, as well as their unit numbers. My new boss hadn't mentioned which unit we were to meet in. I scan the short list, but don't see car partners. There's a short staircase that goes up to a landing with three doors. An old woman opens one of the doors at the top of the stairs and walks out, locking it behind her. She's wearing black slacks and a white blouse with red and orange flowers on it. What are you trying to find, honey? She asks as she walks slowly down the stairs toward me. Car partners? I say. Car partners, she repeats. Never heard of it. Must be 3C. That's the newest business in the building. I look back at the letterboard. 3C is blank. I look over at the mailboxes. All of them have typed labels except 3C. Instead, there's a handwritten scrap of lined paper stuck in the name slot with only the word car and the letters P-A-R-T-N showing. That must be it, I say. Thanks. Good luck, the old woman says as she pushes the door open behind me and exits. I walk up to the third floor and find 3C. The door is half open, so I walk inside. There's a woman sitting on the sill of an open window, smoking a cigarette. Oh, she says when she sees me enter. She taps the cigarette out on a small white plate. You here to see Mark? she asks. Yes, I say. Hang on, you Emily? she asks as she pulls the window closed and crosses the room, dumping her crushed cigarette off the plate into a small trash can. Yes, I say. The woman is skinny and looks to be in her late thirties or early forties. She's wearing a blue t-shirt with a pocket in the chest tucked into a pair of tight-faded jeans. She has flip-flops on, and her wavy brown hair is pulled into a ponytail. The woman disappears around a corner. Mark! Mark! she shouts. I hear a toilet flush. She walks back into the room. He'll be out in just a second. Have a seat. She says before taking a stack of folders off a desk and disappearing again around the corner. I turn to see a lone metal chair with a black leather back and seat. I sit down and look around the room. The office is clean with white walls and a beige carpet. The desk in the middle of the room is large and made of wood. There's a map of the city pinned up behind it. I hear water running in a sink somewhere, then a door opens, and a man appears from around the corner, rubbing his hands on the back of his pants. You Emily? He asks as he walks across the room. Yes, I say, standing and reaching out to shake his hand. Mark, he says, taking my hand in his and firmly shaking it up and down. You meet Cheryl? Uh, I say. The woman that let you in, Mark says, motioning behind him. Um, I say again. Hello, Cheryl calls from the back. That's Cheryl, my sister, Mark says. Upon hearing this, I immediately feel a little more comfortable. So long as this is a family operation, maybe there's some accountability and less chance for shenanigans. Mark is wearing a plaid, long-sleeved, button-down shirt and khaki slacks. His brown hair is thick and wavy, like his sister's. He has black-rimmed glasses and a full-graying beard and mustache. Sit down and I'll go over everything, he says as he walks around the desk and rolls an office chair under himself. I'm sure you have questions. Yes, I say, sitting down. I put together a folder with a W-2 and all the legal stuff for you. There's a sheet in there for your direct deposit. 
Uh, fill that out for next time and I'll make sure you get paid for this meeting, Mark says, taking a thin manila folder off a short stack of thin manila folders and handing it to me. I examine the outside of the folder. My name isn't anywhere on it. I wonder if these are given to anybody that fills out an online application and finds the building. Uh, is this a new business? I ask. What? Yes, Mark says, adjusting the height of the office chair he's sitting in. I figured if only because there was nothing on the letterboard. Hello, Mark suddenly says, standing up. I turn and see a guy who looks to be around my age standing in the open doorway. Is this? He starts to ask. Car partners, Mark says. Yes, come on in. You are... Jacob, the guy says. Jacob, right, Mark says, holding his hand out across the desk. Jacob comes up beside me and shakes Mark's hand. After the handshake, Mark sits back down while Jacob stands awkwardly. Oh, Mark says, looking around the room. Cheryl! He yells. Bring me another chair! Bring me another chair, please! Cheryl yells back. Bring me another chair, please, darling sister! Mark yells back, smiling. Here's a folder, Mark says, handing Jacob a folder identical to the one he'd given me. Cheryl walks out carrying a chair. Jacob takes it from her and sits down next to me. Thank you, Cheryl, Cheryl says as she walks out of the room. Thank you, Cheryl, Mark repeats. Right. So like I was just about to tell her, Mark says. Emily, I say, turning to Jacob. Jacob, Jacob says, turning and smiling and giving me a little wave. Right. Like I was about to say to Emily, this, car partners, is a brand new business. It's a brand new type of business. I'm sure neither of you have ever heard of driver assistance, and I'm sure neither of you know what a driver assistant does, but I'm going to tell you. A driver assistant basically is a passenger who assists a driver with whatever they need while they drive. Mark pauses, looking back and forth from myself to Jacob and back again. I nod slightly. Okay, he says. Here's an example, Mark continues. You ever go on a long drive with your mom and dad when you were a kid? You know how, like, dad would be driving the car and mom would be the one to help with directions? Or maybe she'd open a soda for dad or give him a napkin or something. See, in that example, mom would have been a driver assistant. So we're just going to be riding with people and giving them whatever they ask for while they drive, Jacob says with finality. Well, yes and no, Mark says. You see, our clients are busy people who hire our driver assistants, usually based on a specific need for that day or week. Like, here's an example. A businesswoman calls us because she has to have a bunch of, uh... Mark looks around and picks up the folders on the corner of his desk. Like, maybe a businesswoman has to have a bunch of papers collated and put into folders for a big presentation she's giving that day at a meeting with a lot of people attending. And the meeting is in a town that's an hour and a half drive away. You, as a driver assistant, would ride with her and collate her papers during the ride so that when she gets there, everything is ready to go. And she has everything together that she hadn't had time to put together for her presentation the night before for whatever reason. Th does that make sense? Yeah, I say nodding. I look over at Jacob. He's also nodding. Jacob raises his hand. Yes, Mark says, pointing to him. What do we do after we get to wherever the clients are going? 
Good question, Mark says. That's where Cheryl and I come in. Not only do we drive you to the client's homes or businesses initially, but we pick you up after your assignment is completed. Huh, Jacob says. Okay. It seems weird to raise my hand, given that it's only myself and one other person asking questions, but I raise my hand since Jacob did. Yes, Mark says, pointing to me. Do we always meet here? I ask. Yes, you always come to this office, and either myself or Cheryl will drive you to your assignment. And when the assignment is completed, Jacob starts, we will pick you up and bring you back to this building, Mark says. Sound good? Yeah, Jacob and I both say at the same time. Good, Mark says. He opens a laptop on the desk. I've got two assignments for tomorrow. Yous can choose which one you takes which. Mark begins tapping on the laptop. I turn to look at Jacob. He's thin, with curly black hair and a dark complexion. He's wearing a zipped red hooded sweatshirt and black running pants with white sneakers. You live in the city? He asks, turning toward me. Yeah, just about ten minutes from here, I say. You? Yeah, same, he says. Okay, Mark says. For tomorrow I've got one assignment that would begin at 7 a.m. and another that begins at 8 a.m. Uh, I say, raising my hand. Yes, Mark says, pointing to me. When you say starting at 7 a.m., do you mean we need to be at this office at 7? Yes, Mark says. You'd be here at 7. Either myself or Cheryl will then drive you to the client's home, and you will assist them until they reach their destination, at which point you will contact the office, and either myself or Cheryl will come and pick you up. And we get paid for our time beginning, Jacob starts to say. For an assignment beginning at 7 a.m., you'd be paid hourly beginning at 7 a.m. until we get back to this building. Okay, Jacob says. So who wants what? Mark asks. Jacob and I look at each other. Do you have a car? I ask him. Yeah, he says. Because I don't, and I'd prefer to take the earlier assignment because I have to rely on my boyfriend to drive me, and I'm pretty sure he's got to be at his job by 8. Okay, Jacob says. So I'll take the 8 o'clock, and you take the 7. Sounds good, I say. Excellent, Mark says. As I walk down the stairs, I text Brittany to come pick me up. Drake, Jacob drives by in a blue Fiat and waves. I wave back. Fifteen minutes later, Brittany picks me up in front of the building. So, what is the job? She asks after I buckle myself in, and she pulls out onto the road. Basically, we're just passengers in these busy people's cars, and we do whatever they need done as they drive to wherever they're going. Huh, Brittany says. Sounds easy. Yeah, I say. I hope it is easy. Do you think you're going to do it? I ask. I don't know yet. I'm going to wait and see how it goes for you, Brittany says. Do you need a ride tomorrow? Can you pick me up when I get back from the assignment? I ask. Brittany laughs. The assignment. Yeah, I can pick you up when you get back from your assignment. What time? I don't know, I say. Probably before 12. Yeah, no problem. Just text me, Brittany says. That night I read over the paperwork Mark provided, and I fill out the direct deposit form to bring with me the next day. The only guidelines I find concerning any dress code is just a sentence essentially saying whatever I wore to the interview is what's okay to wear to the assignment. 
Greg doesn't ask me anything about the interview. He eats a couple of slices of pizza in front of the TV in the bedroom, and then plays Call of Duty until I'm ready for bed. The next morning I dress in a gray sweatshirt and jeans and sneakers. Greg drives me to the building where the car partner's office is. I kiss him on the cheek before exiting the car. Hey, he says after I shut the car door. What? I ask. Don't do anything dirty, he says without smiling. I sigh and turn away, waving as I walk. Okay, that is the end of part one of Car Partners, written and read by Andy Mascola. Uh, the songs we played were Chill Wave, Celebration, District 4, and Funky Chunk, all by Kevin McLeod. You can find Kevin's music at incompetech.com. All songs used were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. A link to this license can be found in the description of this episode. Uh, this has been episode 124 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. We love you. Peace.